like we listen to our customers. I think that's the, the biggest takeaway over the past few years is we heard them about what they want and we figured out how to get them what they want. Instead of saying, no, this is our product and you should buy it. We understood that maybe they don't want this size and they want an extra large one. And instead of just being like, no, we said, okay, we can do that, even though we knew we couldn't, and then understood why. And it was for an office setting. And now that product that we initially felt was going to be impossible is our best seller, best revenue driver. Welcome to Babson Built, where we showcase Babson founders and entrepreneurs, people who have tried, failed, and tried again. They're the change makers, the disruptors, the hustlers, and the builders. These are their stories. Welcome to Babson Built. Today, we are interviewing Hanson Grant, class of 2016, who is the founder and CEO of ThinkBoard. Though he was a serial entrepreneur before coming to Babson, he's accumulated quite a number of successes since. As featured on the Today Show, NBC, USA Today, and many others, ThinkBoard sells whiteboard films that turn almost any surface, wall, desk, refrigerator into a dry erase board. Hansen has been recognized as one of the top 25 student entrepreneurs in the U.S., won Babson Beta Challenge, won Mass Innovation Night, and was a finalist in Mass Challenge all in 2015. And as of 2016, ThinkBoard has been named the top collegiate consumer brand in the U.S. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So to get started, why don't we talk a little bit about what initially was your inspiration for the business um, and what kind of got you started? So initially, the right after uh, FMA, my friends and I, we, we really enjoyed the process, which is kind of strange for some absent students to hear that. But we, we really enjoyed the concept of selling a product online, shipping it to customers, adding value to people locally within Boston, nationwide, and having that kind of reach with an online store. So we kind of fell in love with the e-commerce model and we got together and we said, okay, let's, let's start a business together. This will be fun on, you know, one night a week, we'll come to my dorm room, we'll sit down we'll brainstorm and we'll, we'll try to come up with business ideas so we can continue this, this momentum that we have with, with the FMA company. And we needed a whiteboard to brainstorm ideas. So we, we thought about stealing one from a classroom, <laughs> but realized that was probably not the smartest idea. And I ended up going back to my parents' uh, printing shop and I tested a bunch of different materials that they sold for different uses with Expo markers. <clears throat> and I was just trying to see what would erase, what wouldn't erase, until I found one that kind of worked and it said it was a removable film, so it wasn't going to destroy the wall. And I started, I just cut that up. I brought a sheet of it to my dorm room and slapped it to the wall and didn't really think anything of it and neither did my friends until, you know, a few months later, brainstorming more. We had about 50 business ideas written down on this board. And one of my friends is like, you know, we should just sell this sheet. Like, this is pretty cool. And by then, you know, enough friends had come into my room saying, like, where can I get one? I made them for my friends. And then people came in and said, where can I buy one? And I kind of looked at them sideways, like, really, you like, really, you want to buy this? So I didn't really feel like I had a choice. You know, I just provided them for friends, and then I started selling them to, to friends, and then I launched a website to make it easier to sell to friends. 
And with enough momentum, it just kept doing it and kept you know, reinventing the product a little bit here and there to make it a little bit better. And ended up launching a website and then it became real. You know, we had a brand, we had a website, we had a small team of people helping out, package them up and ship them out. And we kind of had this system that was slowly getting built. And a friend reached out to me and was like, hey, like, you should do a Kickstarter. It's it's free money. <laughs> and this is back in 2014 when some people had heard of Kickstarter. I had just heard about it um, you know, a few months prior. And I was like, well, it's definitely not free money, but um, you know, I'm in school. I'm trying to learn what it's like to run a business. This would be a cool widget to launch a Kickstarter with just to see what the process is like. And that's kind of the approach I took with a lot of the decisions I made early on was how can I take this as a learning opportunity that I can apply to a future business, whether it's next year, five years, 10 years, whatever. So we launched Kickstarter and we put the video together within a week with no budget with just a couple friends and just had fun with it. And my, my dad the whole time was trying to convince me to get an internship. And I told him, look, how about I give this a shot and if it's successful, then I'm going to keep running ThinkBoard. But if not, then I'll quit and I'll, I'll do an internship next summer and like I'll follow the traditional path and like that'll all be fine. And, and my parents agreed to that. So my approach for the Kickstarter, because it was more of a market validation Kickstarter, it wasn't to just get it super funded or to like ask friends for funding. It was let me put this out in the public and see if people actually want this product or if they're just buying it to support me. And I, instead of asking friends to buy it, I asked 700 friends on Facebook to share it. I individually messaged every single one of them with the help of my, uh, my business partner, Ken. And uh, we had you know, about like a thousand shares on Facebook and ended up getting funded uh, $10,000 within the 30 day period. So that was the, the beginning of, whoa, this is real, and there's something here, and 80% of the people, I had no idea who they were, and people want this. This is the problem that people that I'm solving for people somehow. And while at Babson, um, you also started two more companies, correct? Uh, yes. What time frame was that all in? And how did, I guess, how did you end up approaching ThinkBoard differently? Well, so... I mean, the first company was the FME company, which I do count because it was successful, it was profitable. We, we made 6000 in profit. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. So that was freshman year. And then once ThinkBoard was going, I kind of had the systems in place. I had the connections with Amazon. I knew exactly what I was doing with the e-commerce business that I decided to replicate it with um, my girlfriend at the time, which was olive oil soap and it literally has nothing to do with whiteboards at all but it was clone the website and just change the design uh clone the systems and change that have the same intern that's fulfilling think boards fulfill the soap and uh shoot an email to amazon and have them hook us up with all the special promotions that they got for ThinkBoard. so within two months of launching this company we were featured on amazon's like bestseller lists for like what to buy for christmas that year which was crazy, and uh, it, it was very successful initially, and then the relationship ended, so the company ended. <laughs> but at least, like, I mean, that also brings up a lot of um, points also to share about scalability as well, because I'm sure you may have had expectations that turned out different from the result in a good way, really, because 
you start your sophomore year and then by junior year you have the shipping and fulfillment center but then by senior year already you've launched an amazon and the grommet and you've also exceeded two hundred thousand dollars in revenue so what was that like and what did you have to prepare in order to sustain that growth we just gave the customers what they wanted every we listened to our customers i think that's the, the biggest takeaway over the past few years is we heard them about what they want and we figured out how to get them what they want. Um, instead of saying, no, this is our product and you should buy it, we understood that maybe they don't want this size and they want an extra large one. And instead of just being like, no, we said, okay, we can do that, even though we knew we couldn't, and then understood why. And it was for an office setting. And now that product that we initially felt was gonna be impossible is our best seller, best revenue driver, most profitable instead of selling $30 products, we're selling $250 products with much better margins. So that was just out of the results of one customer saying, I want this size because of this reason. Uh, Babson came to us and said, we need you to cover old whiteboards that aren't erasing anymore. And we're like, I don't know about that, but like, sure. Yeah, we can do it. And at the time it was a, you know, a couple thousand dollar order, which was one of our biggest orders um, that we had. And I knew it was going to fail. I was like, there's no way, but if this works, there could be a really cool opportunity here. So let's give it a shot. And we gave it a shot. We installed it. We put our best film on the boards and we had a conversation with the facilities manager here. And he was like, wow, this stuff is really cool. And you totally could have charged me twice what you charged. <laughs> so we launched that as a new product and doubled the price. And now that's also one of our, that is about 20% of our business right now is that service of uh, refinishing old chalkboards and whiteboards. And how did you also manage the, um, I mean, from the back end on the supply chain side, I mean, a lot of times entrepreneurs may find that with so much growth like you had, that they may end up selling out or not being able to fulfill enough orders. Mm -hmm. So did you, um, did, I mean, you had the, you probably had some inventory management experience beforehand. Um, or, or did you have any classes of apps that helped you? Yeah, um, my Tom class, believe it or not. You know, people uh, have mixed feelings about that class, but I actually really enjoyed it because I was running ThinkBoard Wall. I started ThinkBoard during that semester that I was taking Tom. And uh, after class, I'd go to my professor and I'd be like, hey, like in this scenario, what would you do? Or how do I actually do the minimum order, like reorder point with, um, with these numbers instead of this... Uh, case in the book you know in a, in a beautiful textbook scenario it's like oh well like you know you just reorder at this point and that's the most optimal side but in reality like you don't have that much cash in the bank to just be like yep yeah, we'll just place this big order and hit these economies of scales and we actually got in trouble once by over ordering we probably or ordered a few thousand dollars worth of inventory and ended up just eating that cost because i got a little greedy of like oh but if we order five thousand units then it'll drop the price 25 cents per unit it's a disaster. But it started with me fulfilling out of my dorm room, then me and a friend fulfilling out of my dorm room, and then like me and my friends from home fulfilling the Kickstarter, and then me thinking just my sister after school would be able to go in and fulfill, and then quickly outgrew that, and then my mom and my brother would go in to help fulfill, because I was studying abroad during this, like right after the Kickstarter. And then that they got pissed at me for that. They're like, come home from abroad. Like, we can't keep shipping out these whiteboards every day. Um, and then I hired an intern through my high school and he came in every day after school. And then that turned into two interns and then three interns. And then it got to the point 
end of junior year, I was in Mass Challenge, and I said, all right, it's time to, to move into a fulfillment center. And the fortunate thing is we moved into the fulfillment center the same week we launched on Amazon. And within a month, we were one of the best sellers on Amazon's startup program. So thank God we, uh, <laughs> we moved when we did. Uh, but it's just consistently you know, changing, building up, building new systems. And you know, when we started, it was that one person in our fulfillment center part-time. Now her full-time job is ThinkBoard, and they hired another person just to help us fulfill, which is cool because we don't have a, a person, we have a system. So they're kind of responsible for scaling up as we scale up. How many people are now on the team? Two full-time, but there's about seven or eight people that help out part-time, whether that's with customer service or custom think boards. And then we've got an outsourced marketing team, an outsourced operations team, and an outsourced accounting team. That's awesome. Product development, too. I read on your website that it took you about 50 ideas to realize that the product that was going to end up being the, the one was right in front of you the whole time. So what, what was the, was it as far as material testing or what was, um, what was the, pro- the product development process like? Yeah, so uh, sophomore year, I was obsessed with starting a business. I my, my mom tells me that that period, I was just like kind of twitching at <laughs> wanting to get something off the ground. Um, so the 50 ideas were other businesses, like other ideas that I explored and I surveyed some people, I made some prototypes and I tried to, um, I tried to make something that was valuable for other people other than just myself. And, uh, then, you know, of course the, it was the film on the wall that I was brainstorming on that was the, the valuable piece to other people. Um, but I mean, that of course was just a random sheet that was pulled off the shelf. It wasn't an actual finished product. Uh, so through the Kickstarter, we revamped the product. And then after some negative reviews on Amazon, a year later, we revamped the product again, got that back up to a nice, healthy review level. And uh, then we actually revamped it again. Uh, so now we're, we're very happy with the quality of it and we're always trying to make it even better. We're definitely one of the best solutions on the market. And uh, we know we're really close to being the absolute best. Uh, we know there's some very high priced stuff that is better, but uh, for our price point, there's nothing that compares. Right. And um, so you were, were you also part of uh, the any accelerators at Babson? I think you were part of the Butler mm-hmm. Venture Accelerator. So did you have any mentors from that as well that helped you along the way? Yeah, so we were, we were part of Butler and we were part of uh, the Summer Venture Program as well. I think the, the number one mentor that sticks out is uh, Professor Mary Gale. Uh, she was my professor twice um, in the Introduction to Entrepreneurship class as well as Social Entrepreneurship class. And she was amazing. I hope she's listening. <laughs> um, but she, she took the time to understand who I was as a person and not just the product I had. Uh, a lot of people would look at the product and say, well, that's something that just belongs on the shelves in Staples and you should get into Staples. And they wouldn't really think about what the, the business I was trying to create was. Um, other people would say, well, you have to raise angel money and then you go raise VC money and then you, you know, like grow, grow, grow. And like, you don't make any money, but and I was like, that doesn't make sense either. So through, through our Babson, there's a lot of people that tried to give me advice about you should do this. or like, I did it this way. And that's how I got successful. But she was one of the people that actually 
took the time to understand who I was as a person, what my motives were for entrepreneurship, what potential the product had outside of just the traditional path. Um, it really helped me through that. And Len Green was another professor that told me one thing and he said, stop looking at where everybody else, like stop looking at the walls. Like every, there's whiteboards on the walls everywhere. Um, and look at where people aren't looking. And that's when we started covering tables and desks and old chalkboards, old whiteboards. Uh, because we used to walk into a school and be like, hey, like, which wall spaces could we cover? And there wouldn't be many. But now we can walk into a school and say, okay, you have 100 chalkboards in the school. Do you want them to be whiteboards for one-tenth of the price that you'd normally pay? And it's much, much, much easier and more profitable to do it that way. And on the tech side, so now that Thinkboard also has the e-commerce platform and you were building the website, did you have to teach yourself those tech skills because I think sort of hand in hand with creating your own business is being able to know tech skills as well. So whether that's on like the product design side or the e-commerce platform, um, did you already know that coming in? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I always joke that if I knew the skills that I would need in order to be where I'm at today, if I knew those skills when I was a sophomore, I would not have started. And I think that's really important because I... I kind of knew how to build a website. I kind of knew about shipping, you know, a little bit about packaging and a tiny, tiny, tiny bit about product design, but none of the skills I had were, were enough. So it's just constant learning. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This spring, the Blank Center will present its new venture competition, the Beta Challenge, which recognizes Babson businesses for taking action. Join the Babson community on Thursday, April 11th at the Beta Challenge finale and watch the top alumni and student teams compete for more than $200,000 in cash and prizes. To learn more, please visit www.babson.edu slash beta challenge. So we talked a little bit earlier about the foundry. So we know that a lot of equipment and training has been available as of last November. Had you had it, do you think you would have been able to use it? Right now they have equipment including um, they've got a vinyl cutter, a laser cutter, got some woodworking machines. Do you think you would have used any of those equipment or, or something else? So funny, funny story with that. Um, and it won't make it a story because that's just too long. But um, I grow, I grew up with a family that's self-employed, um, and my dad and mom have a print shop, so they have uh, digital printers, UV printers, laser cutters, routers. They have like all of this equipment that I have access to for branding, marketing materials, like anything. So I can print off a banner or stickers or. Uh, custom thing for it's pretty much anything on the slot in their shop and I've always said like this is totally an unfair resource that I had that nobody else had access to and I literally like brought a bunch of absent students over to my parents workshop three hours away just so they could see it so they could experiment with it I've done prototyping over there with them so yeah I mean I, I had access to those materials and those tools and I felt like that was the most unfair thing in the world. Last question about the business side is, 
So I think especially a great part of Babson is also how close it is to Boston itself and all the resources and network that Boston itself has to offer. So while you were developing ThinkBoard, did you ever utilize um, any resources that Boston itself had to offer, whether it was conferences or maybe extra maker spaces or any networking opportunities? Yes, 100%. Uh, maybe once a week I would go into a networking event in Boston, lots of conferences. I mean, Mass Challenge has a lot of events. Uh, HubSpot has their annual marketing event, which is really good. Definitely check it out. You can go for free as a student if you get the code. But yeah, I mean, that's how I got the brand off the ground, uh, was going around wearing a ThinkBoard t-shirt and passing out uh, little ThinkBoards. That, I mean, my business cards are ThinkBoard samples. So literally just running around to all these different events, meeting as many people as I could, showing them the products, following up with them. And because of that, it built up this steady flow of people I met buying it and then friends of people they met buying it and then coworkers of those people buying it. And uh, by the end of junior year, we had about an order a day coming in from random people I'd never met. Right, and that was proof, really, that, that you really did have something, that you had support from not just the Boston community, but really everybody and everyone else that you, that you met and that you networked with. Yeah. Okay, so now that um, we are into 2019, was there a defining moment for you in you or ThinkBoard? Was there a defining moment for you or ThinkBoard in 2018? I think the biggest thing that happened to us in 2018 was a result of something that we worked towards in 2016. At Summer Venture Program, we went to uh, Techstars uh, Final Pitch Day, and uh, Rocketbook was pitching at that pitch day. And for anybody that doesn't know Rocketbook, they make digital notebooks that you can write in the notebook, erase it, and scan it in with your phone. Uh, we quickly recognized that, of course, the technology is not in the book, but it's in the phone app itself. And with the ability to print directly onto our ThinkBoards, we said, all right, let's create a template that works with their app and we'll mail it to them. And we, we met them afterwards. We bought some books and then we shipped them a few samples of their design on our product and they loved it. So they started using it for a bit. We were trying to work something out. Um, nothing ended up coming to fruition. They called a few months later, didn't really work out. And then I got a phone call in April of 2018 uh, by Jake, one of the, the co-founders, saying, hey, you know those think boards you made us a while ago? And I said, yeah. He said, we've used it every day for the last year. Our customers need this. And they've got, they've sold over like 2 million notebooks. They've got about a million people on their email list. And they are, are doing very well. <laughs> I can't say how well, but they're doing very well. And um, they said, do you want to launch Kickstarter together? And then uh, we ended up launching the Kickstarter in September. And it was a 20-day Kickstarter, and we raised about $200,000 um, during that window. That was crazy. But like, what we didn't realize was was not that we you know, made a lot of money on that, <laughs> but it was the uh, validation of ThinkBoard in, a, in the public eye. And everybody that's partnered with Rocketbook started reaching out to us. So, so now in 2019, um, what are your plans? More partnerships. The, the company is growing. We're doubling in sales every year. We've doubled every year since starting, which has been crazy and fun. And as a fully bootstrapped company with just one other person running it, it gets a little crazy at times. But for the most part, 
the systems are in place, they're automated, things are just happening. So if we're not trying to grow the company, then you know, we're working a couple hours per week. So the most of our time we spend is working on new initiatives, new products, um, and you know, future years of growth. But what we realized was the Rocketbook partnership was so valuable, not because we invented anything new, but it was because we printed something that's valuable to a million people that are already in this ecosystem. Where do you find um, like the major segments for customers, whether that's I mean corporate or, or educational or or individuals? Do you find that you have several different segments? We're probably about let's say like forty percent business and offices and co-working spaces, maybe twenty percent students, thirty percent home, and ten percent hospitals. Oh, hospitals! Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of whiteboarding in hospitals. Um, and they also have a lot of custom whiteboards that have templates that they paid like two or $3,000 for to get a whiteboard that's like a four foot by six foot board printed. And to get that replaced, is going to cost two or $3,000. But we can put our clear film over it for 400 bucks and refresh the entire board for them and make it last another 10 years. Um, so we're starting to see a lot of traction in hospitals now. And I also, when ThinkBoard is, is starting, and it seems like right around the point when ABC features you, that really helps you get a lot more traction. So at what point was ThinkBoard at? Pretty much right after the Kickstarter. We sold 200 orders. It was great. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I also thought the company was just going to trail down a little bit in sales and Maybe some people would reorder, but not too many. So that's why I thought my sister would be able to handle it once or twice a week after school. But then Babson reached out and said, hey, uh, WCVB, the Chronicles, looking for people that could you know, talk about their business on TV. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I thought it was a local like Wellesley channel. I really had no idea. It was like the ABC of Boston. And uh, I filmed with them. Like I, I left like one of the classes on Brick that was like at Babson. Like a day before leaving for China, filmed with them in Reynolds, and then just went back to just being abroad. And then one day in China, I got Wi-Fi while at a restaurant, and my phone just started vibrating like crazy. And I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And realized that it was just order, 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 order. And then I realized that how big of a channel WCDB was. And then they featured us Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. And we ended up doing as many orders that weekend as we did during the entire Kickstarter. Uh, but then they featured us again without telling me December 10th, so Christmas time. Everybody's ordering for Christmas. USA Today did an article on us the same day, and it was crazy. I was on my way to Myanmar <laughs> from Thailand. And I was freaking out because I wasn't about to like not have any service for a few days. And I'm like, going to pizza shops in Myanmar, trying to get a little bit of Wi-Fi so I can download an entire order report and send it off to my family because they're fulfilling for me. And it was nuts. They were so mad at me. <laughs> and they're like, you should not be traveling and having so much fun. You should be here fulfilling these orders. But the coolest thing is that experience forced me to build a business that can be run from anywhere. Right. Yeah, that flexibility really seems like it's made all the difference in and also just enjoy what you do every day. Always really like looking forward to to working and, and getting more more partnerships and just getting more things done. 
Do you have any bigger lessons that you learned overall from ThinkBoard? Initially, the, the lesson was just start and just start selling something. Figure out exactly how much money you need. Don't go crazy. And then when you're a junior, you're, you're aiming for that number by senior year. And if you can do it, then keep going. Um, so the more time you have to, to build it up, the better. Right. Yeah, that's actually a great way of thinking of, of really the four years and in the time frame so that you really utilize everything that Babson can offer, but do it um, in a way that also really sets you up for the world after that. And I guess one of my last questions is that when it came to senior year, was it um, tempting to just take on ThinkBoard full-time? It, it was, but um, but in reality, I, um, I had a company that was making money, that was growing, and was um, seeing really good success and I had faith that it would stick around um, but it wasn't it never got to the point where it was um, more than like 30 hours a week of work um, and I went out only one night a week which was fine I still got to hang with friends I had a girlfriend during the time I just had to skip a couple classes I had to live chat customers while in my nutrition class and I got caught on my phone a few times like there was there were there were things that I've done a little bit to make it work and I did and I guess they understood thankfully the Babson professors understood if it was a different school maybe they would enough but yeah because I guess of the flexibility of the professors I didn't need to drop out and I also really valued the degree. Uh, that's a huge safety net if anything goes wrong. I also kept my grades up. I graduated with uh, magna cum laude because I wanted to have that extra layer of security, which some people would argue like, well, your eggs aren't all in one basket, therefore you're not taking enough risks and um, you're not going all in. But I had a company that was making money and I was like, all right, well, senior spring, I'm going to focus on getting A's so I can get that 3.5 so I can graduate with magna cum laude as a backup in case things don't go well, um, right. which is a really cool backup to have. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me and coming on the show. No problem. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what's next for ThinkBoard. Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.